Football on off the ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. Yeah, and after a relatively quiet transfer window for Republic of Ireland internationals, thus far things have ramped up significantly in the past 24 hours with, in fact, our most expensive ever footballer about to be crowned. Nathan Collins is heading for Wolves from Burnley for the princely sum of €24 million Euro in Euro or British pounds, £20.4 million. Pounds. Quite the move for the 21-year-old who's come to prominence, of course, over the last six months for the Republic of Ireland and indeed for his soon-to-be former club, Burnley, uh, to join us to look through what could be a fairly busy week for Irish internationals. Gavin Cooney from the 42.e. Gavin, you're welcome. Thanks very much. Uh, first of all, I think this almost got lost when you see the, the figures being sloshed around. The fact that Nathan Collins could be our most expensive ever footballer. There's probably a book in this about how Irish internationals have been thus far undervalued in the transfer market. Yeah, and look, I would argue maybe I'm still in too much of a bubble from just watching Ireland games too often and, you know, preaching to the world. You don't you don't rate these guys enough. Might still be the case. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about Josh Cullen later on yeah. who's linked with a, a three million euro move to Burnley. Pittance. Nothing yeah. for a guy, you know, who's played every minute of our of, uh, our of the Irish internationals for which he's been available for, largely give or take a half an hour here or there. Um, Robbie Keane, I think, to, was it Robbie Keane to Liverpool? That Robbie was Keane to Liverpool to go through the list, right? Expensive, yeah. Keane to Liverpool uh, from Spurs, obviously, ninety million pounds. Mm. That was fourteen years ago. Yeah. So it's fourteen years since we've last had the the upper echelons broken in terms of most expensive players. Then after that, seventeen million for Damien Duff going between Blackburn and Chelsea in the mid two thousands. Matt Doherty, of course, uh, plunked himself right into the middle of the list with his fifteen million pound move from Wolves to Spurs a couple of years ago. Uh, James McCarthy still hanging around in there. Uh, 13.5 million from Wigan to Everton then you have the likes of Robbie Brady another move for Robbie Keane from Coventry to Inter Shane Long's in there for 12 million but Nick Collins should this go through will be only the 8th Irish player ever to command a fee north of £10 million and when you see the money that has been sloshing around Mm. in the transfer market particularly in the last decade that seems incredible yeah, and you know it's been what the Robbie Keane move to Liverpool was two thousand and nine. Like the inflation and transfer fees since then has been remarkable. Mm. So for it to take this long for that fee to be eclipsed speaks to partly the undervaluing of Irish players, and let's be honest, the fact that you know our that generation did not produce as much talent as Keane and Duff before them. Um, and I like Robbie is still well out in front. I'd imagine in in terms of accumulated transfer fees, three of the top ten moves are his. I wouldn't rule out Collins knocking him off the top before yeah. his career is over like he's only 21 he's only 21 and he's already had a was it a 12 million pound move I think from Mm. Burnley last year so he's definitely knocking around in there in that Robbie Keane back to Tottenham move uh, up above Jeff Hendricks move to Burnley in 2016 Mm. so like we're already talking about 30 million pound cumulative transfer if he does well for Burnley in the next two years that's going to be another 40-50 million you would imagine with the way money's going might just be Um, and look it's good and I think in these respects a rising tide will often lift all boats I mean once you once you get Irish players commanding big fees Bazunu somewhat and then obviously with Collins Mm. you know you might get you might get an extra few million tagged on to other Irish players who are playing alongside these guys in the same team although seemingly too soon for Josh Cullen Great move for, very interesting move for Nathan Collins, I have to say. Wolves, on the face, it is not the most glamorous. Like, you look at him score that goal against Ukraine and you think this guy could play anywhere. Yeah. Um, but it's a good move. Le- it's a good move in the, in the immediate term, but it's also an interesting move for, you know, the move before what comes next. Because, look, Collins is, I don't think I'm over-exaggerating when, he, when I say he's Champions League 
quality or he can be Champions League quality um, and look if, it, if from an Irish point of view it's not the worst thing in the world that there's another step now before he, yeah. before he potentially makes that step because if he goes to a Champions League side now he might struggle to get in the team instantly and from an Ireland point of view the best case scenario is all of their players playing regularly at a at a high level and this is what this is what the Wolves move guarantees they've sold uh, Roman Sice has left he gone, was yeah. He was a dependable member of that back three, so you'd imagine he'll come straight in. Imagine he won't come into the middle of it because that's where Connor Cody plays, and that will kind of, he plays there to compensate for his uh, relative lack of pace, which is not a problem. Collins says we've seen him excel uh, to the side of the uh, to the right of the Irish back three so far. So all things all things considered, it looks like a pretty good move for a guy who's uh, who's got his head screwed on and uh, is is very mature for for twenty one. We kind of have to check our <clears throat> expectations of him a little bit as well because obviously he did have the big money move from Stoke to Burnley, comparatively speaking, um, just last year. Mm. But he only broke through into the Burnley first team towards the end of last season. That was a combination of suspensions, injuries, and a little bit of his own form pushing through. Scored a couple of goals that could have mm. proved vital if they had stayed up. But but Dyche was particularly loath to break up the me and Tarkovsky combination. You know, he I mean, where Dyche could uh, avoid make changes, avoid making changes. That's yeah. exactly what he would do. So I don't know how much of that is a comment on Collins. Like, but every time I've seen him, every uh, opportunity he's been given, he's excelled. And like, it took him two, three games in the Irish team to emerge as a leader of the team and one of the best players in the team. So I wouldn't have any concerns about him going straight into the Wolves team and playing, you know, injuries and suspensions permitting every minute of next season. Yeah, John Percy's report in the Telegraph yesterday when this move kind of first reared its head, the suggestion was that he, he as you mentioned there, fits Wolves perfectly because he can play on that side of Connor Cody. He can also operate, obviously, as as one of two centre-halves if you're going to play alongside Cody in a, in a four at the back. It, he's ready made so we're, when we're talking about like there was talk that Manchester United might have been interested no bid was forthcoming mm. Wolves have obviously gotten ahead of the queue now and the more you think about it, it it's one of those rare transfers where you, you're not scratching your head going well how's that going to work and mm. is he really going to be able to break it absolutely works yeah. like almost too perfectly you're like I'm kind of worried as to how perfect this, <laughs> this looks on it the surface it also reminds me of the Bazzini to Southampton move I think that that's a perfect match as well because Southampton have struggled for goalkeepers in the last couple of years like Alex McCarthy was generally first choice and then he got bombed out toward the end of the season you were playing Fraser Foster and they were never fully convincing and the Southampton goalkeeper especially under Hasenhutl is very very busy yeah. I can't imagine Bazzini having to stoop into his own net to pick out the ball nine times in a single game as seems to be uh, we'll <laughs> see. as was the case yeah. for previous uh, Southampton goalkeepers so just yeah the moves they just you know they make sense in a, in a way that the Robbie Keane to Liverpool one never did no. <laughs> you know so uh, even looking at the yeah, 7 million euro ba- or 7 million pound bath that Liverpool took on that inside 6 months it was yeah. just absolutely crazy and probably spoke volumes to how little that worked others have obviously worked Matt Doherty has settled into to Spurs and the system under Conte particularly under the last 6 months uh, and there have been others that did work at least in the short term you look at the impact that Shane Long made over the long yeah. term uh, at Southampton like that worked certainly um, maybe less so with the likes of James McCarthy uh, going to Everton but generally speaking like I, I just it, it really is a head scratcher and it does speak to the fact that no Ireland player necessarily has broken through to such a degree that there are a host of top level clubs clamouring for their signature and willing to pay fees in excess of £20 million mm. on the regular because that just hasn't happened but 
it, but I think it, I don't know how much of a cultural thing it is because Ireland has always been easy pickings for English football and UK football. They tend to go they, young and yeah. then they, they stay where they are more Nothing, often than you know not. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, oftentimes, and we're seeing it happen in a European context now where obviously 16 to 18 year olds aren't going to the UK, but they are going to Europe for, and there are bio clauses in the contracts for very, very little. Historically, that was just England's and the UK's patch. I mean, no one else really shopped in Ireland that often. And they were, they were always getting talent so cheap, way too cheap, partly through, you know, it's not always the fault of the clubs. I mean, the players and their agents sign contracts and it's negotiated, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So I wonder, does that partly uh, fill in, um, feed into the idea of why there wasn't that extra premium on transfer fees paid for Irish players in, you know, their, in, the middle of, in the middle of their professional career, in their adulthood? Mm-hmm. Maybe that was part of it, but that's... That's obviously changing now and uh, it's interesting to see what kind of impact or knock-on impact the Collins fee might have down the line. Now look, obviously the, the fee is high because he's so good and there aren't many Irish players on the market this year who are as good as him and are as young as him. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see because that, that, I, can't, I, I can't believe that it's uh, there's only until today that Robbie King's rule has been knocked off that list. What, yeah, like thirteen years on, there there been you know slight kind of dalliances with that fee, but uh, as regards one of the transfers, but certainly this will be the first time since twenty eight two thousand and eight. Sorry, fourteen years that that transfer fee mm. has been broken, which is just absolutely incredible. Uh, Burnley are obviously going to reinvest some of that money for uh, from which they're uh, making well, not much of it by the sounds of it. This 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 is what struck me and and, and plays into that fact that Irish players are somewhat undervalued. Josh Cullen has obviously. You know, flourished under Vincent Company at Anderlecht. Mm. A brilliant move, an outside the box move, one that we're seeing a lot of players, I guess, replicate, uh, one of which we'll possibly get to in a moment. Um, but Cullen has done great things at Anderlecht. Mm. Um, obviously, we're not going to be able to see every Anderlecht game, so we can't uh, speak volumes to how well he's done or not. But the reports seem to be that he has been a very dependable player. You look at the stats that he's amounted for Anderlecht, he's been a near ever present for the and, last couple of years. But look at the player he's become for and Ireland. Exactly, he's <laughs> become so pivotal yeah. in that pivot position in midfield for Ireland. And you see the figures being bandied about. Even got, I'm like, It wasn't just from an English perspective, it was going through the Belgian media and, and getting the old Google Translate out. Mm. It is literally only three, three and a half million yeah. that Cullen could be going to Burnley for, which seems a steal. Yeah, it does. It seems like one of the bargains, of the. it will be one of the bargains of the transfer window from my point of view anyway. Again, look, are we sometimes a little bit too biased? Oh, we definitely Irish are. Players? Yeah. But even allowing for my obvious bias in this, I actually think it's so cheap and it's a great signing for Burnley. Like, I mean, Burnley are in relative financial straits because of the structure of their sure. takeover deal and the fact that it alone worth 65 million euro be, has now has to be paid much sooner than anticipated because of relegation, and um, so this is a great. They're getting like a regular international midfielder for three million euros playing the championship. Like it's a great deal, and then you uh, you add in the fact that he's worked with the with Vincent Company, the manager before. Yeah. His availability is outstanding. He's always fit. He goes the distance in every game. Like he's play, he played what four and a half thousand minutes or something, absolutely off the charts last season. And Stephen Kenny talked about him starting sixty games. I think maybe it was slightly less. I think it might have been fifty six or fifty seven. But I mean, either way, like he played a hell of a lot of football and and improved a lot. So for three million quid, I have to say that's that's a great signing. I, from an Irish point of view, it obviously the Cullen at Anderlecht was working for Ireland. Now, maybe it only worked under Vincent Company, so maybe this is the right move. I don't know. The championship is, has evolved to such an extent. Like, there are so many foreign coaches in it now. It's, it's a far more technical league. It's a far richer league than the yeah. Belgian top flight or anywhere else. So maybe it will, the move will suit Josh Cullen. And I think it would suit him for as long as Vincent Company is in charge there. The only worry you'd have is the uncertainty around Burnley. Like, how will Company do? It's a new team. 
the financial situation doesn't sound particularly great. How will they after the championship? That kind of thing. So in the short term, it looks like a good move if it goes ahead. He's used Ireland. to playing there as well. Like he has yeah. put in shifts for like the Charlton one yeah. alone and stuff. So he's, he, it, it's not necessarily alien to him, but it will be taxing in a way that the last two years at Anderlecht haven't yeah. been. Yeah, no, and look, he'll be fine. He's played at a high level for Ireland, at an international yeah. level. International level night might not be Champions League level but it is better than championship level. True, yeah. And Football and Off the Ball brought to you with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. As we've been speaking, Gav, the wool, uh, the move uh, to Wolves from Nathan Collins 100% confirmed and locked ah. in. So there's timing of a conversation yeah. for you. Uh, it is done and dusted. Nathan Collins is Ireland's most expensive ever player. You would hope looking through that squad there is an opportunity for others to perhaps follow in that wake. You're looking at Bazunu obviously will yeah. possibly if things go well we'll probably get another move from Southampton uh, like Savandro Amabamadeli would look ready made for a similar kind of move down the line. Um, but there are others on the move at the moment this week. Jeff Hendrick is taking another move a long move away from Newcastle he's gone to Reading he's gotten used to playing in blue and white hoops last season yeah. uh, perhaps not successfully for QPR but he'll be hoping to put down some roots in, in Reading at least for this year alone he needs minutes like that's that's minutes. the thing with Jeff and isn't rated by Eddie Howe at all for whatever reason uh, was not really given a chance under Howe in Newcastle at all um, he signed a new con- I think he's got two years left on his contract does, yeah. in Newcastle and it sounds like a pretty good contract that he signed when Steve Bruce was the manager and Bruce did rate him and did play him relatively regularly until Got an injury and then was out of the team. But if you're comparing him to, like, it's where Newcastle want to be and where they have been. Yeah. I think Jeff Hendrick's probably a marker of that for them. Like, yeah. if they're able to go out and sign a Bruno Guimarães in January, who seems far and away yeah. a better player than what Jeff Hendrick is, with the greatest respect to, to Hendrick, you can kind of see why he wouldn't necessarily, on the money he's on, fit around that dressing room and probably better off seeking another club for him for the time being at least. Yeah, and look, we spoke to Hendrik in, where were we, in Armenia at the start of the summer and technically at the end of last season and he was openly saying that, look, it's quite possible that I've played my last game for Newcastle United. So he's on pretty good wedge, I think, so I'm not surprised not to see him, not surprised that he's taking a loan move. Reading isn't exactly the, the most rarefied air in the championship based on performances last season, but he needs regular minutes if he's going to stay in the Ireland team because up until up until this window in June, you thought Jeff Hendricks a lock for the midfield, but you know they, Kenny made that change midway through, went to the uh, Cullen with Knight and Malumbi um, for the Scotland and Ukraine games, and it brought a market improved in, improvement in performance. And then if Hendricks not playing regularly at club level, it's hard to it's hard to make a case to include him. In, in Ireland's first team so he used to go and play regularly the QPR move didn't really work out it was complicated by the managerial situation and the hamstring injury yeah the managerial great, situation yeah. wasn't ideal either but there was a hamstring injury and then he came back um, came back I think he played the penultimate game of the season and then uh, didn't play the final game because um, because of the birth of his son so um, yeah he just looking for regular football it's not it's not a startling move by any respect but the, the Championship is interesting for a couple of respects next season for Ireland because you've got a few of the of the old, of the old guard really of what, is what they are now yeah. trying to prove themselves, trying to prove themselves worthy of getting back in the Ireland squad or getting back in the Ireland team, which is only six years on from Euro 2016. You're looking at Hendrick at Reading, you're looking at Robbie Brady at Preston, only on a one year deal, thinking, yeah, this is this is they have to take these opportunities now to keep in the Ireland team because time is marching on and there's quality coming through going for. Uh, Going for uh, going for pretty significant money, and just one other player to look out for there is Callum Adaida, who's obviously 
moved around in the championship and he uh, he has been out of the picture at international level thanks largely to injury to be honest he's always yeah. been rated by Kenny so yeah that's that's one angle that makes the championship particularly interesting next season yeah and even um, Jamie McGrath and Wigan he kind of yeah. needs to make that breakthrough that hasn't really like everybody presumed that move down from Scotland would just you know he's going into Wigan it's going to be fine he'll, he'll motor through there midfield and Hasn't happened. And hasn't happened at has all. Has seen his international prospects really suffer because has of that. Has paid a very heavy price very quickly. Yeah. I'm actually surprised at how quickly that that happened. You know, I mean, he moved from St. Mirren to Wigan in January. Wigan at the top of League One couldn't get in the team. There were times when he couldn't get in the match day squad. And Stephen Kenny was very, very open and honest about it. That you know, we can't even for the March friendlies, we can't you know bring Jamie in here and risk him not playing again until we reassemble in June, or else I can bring someone in like a Connor Ronan, like a Mark Sykes, and take a look at them. So I'm actually surprised how quickly that went. But there's for the first time in years, Richie, there's proper competition for places in the Ireland team. And as a result, players know that they have to be playing regular football. This summer, we're bringing you double Koi gig. For me, she's the best English centre-back. Play your best players in their best position. I don't think the captain is droppable, particularly after making the statement of dropping Steph Houghton. Subscribe to the OTB Koi gig pod on the OTB Sports app now. One person who's probably suffered a little bit from the, the competition for places up front, at least anyways, has been Aaron Connolly. He's mm. kind of drifted from being the next hope. I remember being in Geneva and there was that clamour for Connolly to start in, in Mick McCarthy's oh, like, dying yeah. days and getting him in there, getting him blooded and getting him international experience. And it seems to have died off pretty significantly since then. The, he didn't pull up any trees necessarily on that loan move to Middlesbrough last year. And then this story today pops up that he's considering a move to Venezia. Mm. Now, the route to Italy is pretty well trodden this summer when you look at James yeah. Banquet and Festi Eveselli going to Udinese um, we've got Kerrigan going off to Como and now we seemingly have uh, in the most stylish jersey there is in Serie B Aaron Connolly potentially yeah. well look these are all this is all good news for my um, ambitions to become the 42's Italian football correspondent <laughs> um, you can be the next Paddy Agnew yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, can, I can cover the church as well that's right I mean the football and church is right up my uh, right up my alley Popes and Players um, the next book from Gavin Goon. yeah but yeah. sadly like I mean you know quite fallible players that are going there etc etc so Connolly I mean the drift has been remarkable like Last September, Connolly was starting and the key, like the game plan was to get Aaron Connolly behind Joe Cancelo away to Portugal in a World Cup qualifier and it worked pretty well. Yeah. Connolly wasn't amazing, but, you know, had somewhat of an impact on a better referee and, uh, you know, a working VAR would have awarded him a penalty and, you know, and then that's a very significant impact in like a very, very significant game. But hasn't worked out for him at all at, uh, at Brighton despite seems to have been given lots of chances there oh the chances he can't but it's, it's not as if he's somebody who hasn't like like the McGrath situation mm. whereby the chance didn't want to be taken to plunge him into a match day squad or into a starting 11 because of concerns about his fitness or concerns about his ability and you know where you are in the league with Brighton like Graham Potter gave him every chance in the world even that move to Middlesbrough it's like a decent ranking a good manager in the in the championship and you're kind of coming back on yeah it didn't really didn't really work. Didn't I mean, really he played He played 19 or 20 times, scored twice, I think. Yeah. One of those goals is a pretty whopper deflection. He seems to be struggling fitness-wise. He seems to have this chronic heel problem for which he's had to take in painkilling injections. That's what Stephen Kenny has cited when he's been left out of international squads in, in March and in June. Was also left out in November. Like, I mean, that's only a couple of months after starting in Portugal. So this is a drift. Like, there are, you know, 
there are plenty of whisperings about his attitude. Maybe that isn't as good as it could be or should be and isn't is maybe what's holding him back in comparison to the other players of his generation that are now quite well established in the Ireland team um, and have been established for a number of windows. So you, you say like maybe a change of environment or somewhere different might work for him. But like these are the things that we're talking about going to Middlesbrough. It didn't really work, you know, and he's under a really good manager in Chris Wilder who was eager to get Connolly in, but it admit with a slightly rueful air that, yeah, that didn't quite work out. And I remember watching his press conference when Connolly was introduced to the media after signing for Middlesbrough. He was being, you know, asked about, sorry, the question was, citing all these articles were written primarily in Ireland, in fairness, about yeah. Aaron Connolly's at a crossroads at his career at, what, the age of 21 or, or 22. And, the you know, the, the local Middlesbrough media were kind of, startled by that I mean they were talking to Connolly about you know Aaron we're, everyone's talking about this being a crossroads at your career you're so young is that actually true and Connolly said yeah no didn't agree with it but if it, if that wasn't a crossroads this is it so he's uh, he's been left out of the preseason squad for uh, for Brighton it seems like he's going to move the local Brighton media have linked him with a move to Venezia in Serie B um, following his Instagram as they do <laughs> he's in Venice <laughs> so yeah, yeah so it seems like maybe uh, maybe that is maybe that is a runner it's a very interesting move um, as to whether it'll work out I have no idea I hope it does Ireland I mean for Connolly's sake I hope it does Ireland, Ireland have some attacking talent in the sense that they will move on without him but he has he still has enough talent and he still has age on his side to become a major contributor in uh, international level for Ireland but, well, I, I say I have no idea what, what to expect. I mean, it would take a turnaround in fortunes and turnaround in everything that's been happening since, in, certainly in the last 12 months, uh, for, that to, uh, for that to work out, basically. Yeah, it's such a left-field move. It's really hard to... Like, in, in the opposite sense of Collins to Wolves, you can kind of just see yeah. that absolutely makes sense. Connolly going to Italy, going to Serie B, you're just like... Like I don't know, yeah, I mean, genuinely, and it's I don't, and no, look, nobody, sorry, nobody we, can say. But we've also uh, criticised Irish players, or maybe lamented generally the fact that Irish Vibration, players aren't yeah. aren't brave enough to you know move beyond the UK and move to a new culture and try things. So this Connolly is doing fair play to him, and it, look, it'd be brilliant if it worked out for all parties. Yeah, um, but he's going there with a with a lot to prove. Yeah, one person that things have been relatively quiet around at least as far as I can make out and I'm really surprised by this given that mm. they did so well to hang on to him last summer given the trouble they were in I'm talking about Jason Knight at Derby like clearly obviously they've gone down to League One they've got new ownership but you can't really say that things are necessarily all that more stable there they've brought in David McGoldrick they brought in Connor Harrahan so it seems like they're laying the groundwork for potentially Knight to go mm. You would have figured that he's one of the more in-demand players there, but as I say, things seem relatively quiet. As Curiously as quiet, yeah. yeah. There was a story linking with him with Werder Bremen, I think, um, which is another interesting move, and then more prosaically with Birmingham City. I Again, maybe this is my Irish bias. I always thought that Knight would be a decent signing at you know lower-tier Premier League level. Sure, yeah. I, th- I always thought that he'd be a good signing for uh, Everton because obviously he worked with Lampard at Derby. I had heard that Lampard had initially mentioned Knight around... Um, around Chelsea circles when he first took over but you know there was no interest there uh, Knight actually did kind of lose his place he was in and out of the Derby team in the latter half of uh, or in the closing weeks of last season curiously enough under Wayne Rooney but we've seen him we've seen what he can do for Ireland he's what he's 20 21 yeah. he's played more than 100 senior games for Derby and like th- like that's real men's football in the sense like that compl- like to- complete there was a turmoil. lot asked of him last, last season last, last 18 months there was a lot asked of him and he's played everywhere he's yeah. played left back right back up front central midfield to the right of the attack 
to the left of the attack. I mean, he's played almost everywhere except for in goals. Has that hurt him then? Because that whole jack of all trades, master of none perception, if not necessarily yeah. reality. Because no. I think I think seems we know. a bit young for his career, and I doubt it to be honest. Because he's also proven himself he can play in midfield at international level. So I think that maybe counter uh, counterbalances that. But it is curiously quiet on that front I haven't heard anything as to if anything is in the offing he was uh, he was biting his tongue on his club future um, when we were chatting to him at the interna- in, during the international window in June the etc was just like I'm not thinking about that it was the yeah. kind of classic media train answer so it's one to watch I mean Derby according to reporting the Sun yesterday the day before about that Werder Bremen link that Derby are not going to let him go for a knockdown fee um, he's in his final year of his contract the financial situation can be great, although they are recruiting. You know, McGoldrick and Howrahan, they're, you know, championship level players. They're, you know, we're here to get promoted straight back to the championship. Uh, message. wages more than fees, signings. Though. Yeah, completely, yeah. But, I mean, they're, they're of a standard. That's a club um, uh, with ambitions to get straight back up, you mm. know. You didn't you didn't know, like, how like how harsh would the landing be for Derby in the League One. Maybe not as harsh as, as we thought it might be. So, yeah, one to watch. Um, I'd, be, I'd still be surprised if night is there when the season starts. I'll keep an eye on his Instagram. Uh, you've taught me something, <laughs> certainly, about Irish footballers this afternoon. Uh, Gavin Cooney from the 42.ie, thanks so much for coming in. Cheers, Richie. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports 